Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. I am one of your co-hosts, Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. And to be quite honest, I would consider selling my float center. My name is Gloria Morris, and I own Float 60, and I would definitely consider selling one of the four locations, uh, potentially two at some point, but one for sure. This is Drew from New Hampshire Float in New Hampshire, and I think people know I have considered selling my float center, and I would sell my float center. Uh, Yeah, for sure I would do it. This is Kim. I own Sukino Float Center in Southern Indiana, and I'm still in the honeymoon phase, so <laughs> I uh, would not consider selling my center at this point. I wouldn't close. I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm, I'm kind of stubborn. Nice. I, this is very interesting. I know I'm curious just like a year ago what all of our answers would be. I'm curious pre-COVID what our answers would be, but uh, I guess the really important thing is why are we talking about this right now? Um, Closing or potentially selling your float center is happening right now. It's happening a lot more than I think we've ever experienced it with uh, COVID hitting and um, the uh, lack of people floating um, and potential government benefits and stuff like that. It's just been it's been really difficult. So um, I'm really excited. We're gonna have a guest on Carlos. His closing his float center and he's gonna be an open book. We've already chatted beforehand and he's he's really open about everything so i'm excited to to dig in with him we'll bring him on in just a minute here but before we get started i want to give a shout out to float buoy if you go to float tank solutions forward slash float buoy you can investigate and sign up for a really cool service the float tank solutions guys are putting out which is basically you are busy (laughs) running your float center you're trying to get people in the doors you're putting up paint, you're adjusting your float tanks, you're cleaning the salt from underneath your fingernails, and you might not have all the time in the world to be doing marketing. And even if you are doing marketing, you might not be doing enough. That's where they come in and they start helping you supplement your social media posts, whether it's float memes, whether it's um, scientific posts to put up, it's educational, or entire blog posts. They're also helping write newsletters. You can use them as a complete newsletter, or you can fill in sections with your own information and updates from your float center. It's a really cool thing. I love the idea. Floatanksolutions.com forward slash buoy. All right, so let's get started here. Carlos, thank you again so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me tonight. Absolutely. Um, What is the name of the float center that you're closing down and where are you located? So we are uh, Float Los Alamos, located in Los Alamos, New Mexico, uh, in the northern part of the state. All right. Um, And how long have you been open for? Uh, We've been open since November 2015. 15. All right. Uh, We've never met over Zoom before. I think we may have met at a float conference, but I certainly... um, your face for me is Float Collective. Like You are just a a regular face in there and a positive energy that... um, I will say personally, when I heard that you were closing, my my heart hurt, you know, that was, um, I mean, a lot of people are announcing it in Float Collective that they're closing down, um, and uh, all of them hurt, and and yours definitely was a a personal one for me to to see. Um, How is it for you right now? Um, And and we'll go into all the backstory and everything, but just what's your emotional state with closing down right now? Um, Yeah, whenever you are parting from something uh you know, there's sadness and some depression and just feeling down uh there's also some relief so um <laughs> i've 
kind of gone through the whole <laughs> the whole spectrum of emotions. Um, but right now, I'm I'm more content than I was several weeks ago. Um, but overall, um, yeah, it's it's just really disappointing. You you pour your heart and soul into something, and you work so hard to launch, and you have really good experiences through uh, these several years, and now it's coming to an end. So, yeah, got it. Before I get into the actual closing part, can we can you walk us through your story? A little little truncated, but um, how you opened and and your experience of running your center. Yeah, sure. So, um, like so many people who get introduced to floating, or back in the day, um, I heard about floating through Joe Rogan and his podcast and yep. how he used it for recovery. And uh, for me, the timing was really right because I had a back and knee injury. And so I figured, uh, you know, I'd Google and try to find a float tank. And I found one in Albuquerque, uh, did a quick float. And um, yeah, sure enough, it reduced the pain in my back. And really helped with um, you know the inflammation around my knee so I was sold on that um, and then originally I was like I really want one of these in my house so I went through the whole process of trying to figure out how to get a, a float tank in my house and uh, then I discovered salt and Epsom salt being really corrosive so uh, that was clearly not going to work uh, I thought about opening a home business and sharing it with people just out of my house again I ran into an issue with uh, do I really want my house to have humidity and you know dealing with Epsom salt tracking in the house the whole nine uh, so that didn't work and then I decided well let's just look at this commercially so uh, found a place after looking for several months um, I actually uh, really committed to the cause and flew up to Portland and did the apprenticeship at uh, float on and uh, you know really thought about what I wanted to do and whether I really wanted to dive into the float and there I was um, so I did the apprenticeship came back to New Mexico uh, took what I learned started mapping it out and uh, I think it was about well basically about seven or nine months later that we were open November 2015 so uh, ever since then yeah it's you know it's been you had your ups and downs as you know but um, you know, you have your seasons that are good and your seasons that you're a little bit worried. But yeah, you know, I just kind of took the plunge and, and went for it. Uh, like you said, highs and lows. It sounds like it wasn't just rocking business the entire time with, with your feet up and a cigar in your mouth. So, I mean, probably similar to a lot of float centers where it's there's a lot of elbow grease involved. <laughs> and um, what was it looking like? And, and I'm assuming COVID had to do with your closure. Um, what did it look like right before COVID hit? I mean, how was your business doing? Uh, so we, we actually started struggling a little bit in fall 2019. Okay. Uh, we just had a just kind of a natural decline in floats. Uh, specifically, new membership was a little bit harder. Uh, we were still retaining about the same amount of people, um, but we weren't just getting, we weren't getting the traction we were uh, like educating our, our little town. Uh, and I could probably speak to that a little bit later, but um, you know, we just we just weren't hitting the numbers we wanted. Um, and then in my personal life, uh, you know, I had gone through a divorce uh, late 2019. And so my business partner and I, my, my ex, we were kind of struggling to uh, go in the same direction with the float. So I think that had something to uh, to do with it. Hmm. Uh, marketing became an issue because I was the one that was always marketing. And so we were butting heads on that. Um, but yeah, we kind of had a natural decline and then we decided, okay, let's work together and save the float. 
you know, let's let's make sure that we move forward with it and let's keep it open. So that was in December time. So we basically spent January, February into March thinking about how we were going to relaunch and how we were going to uh, basically uh, keep the business going and maybe freshen it up, just really give it a, a fresh start. Um, and so we actually reached out to some people to see if they wanted to invest um, in the float, uh, split up some of the ownership, um, also see if we could sell it and maybe take a, a managerial type position. Um, and so we were arcing really great. And then mid-March hit, COVID-19 hits. I'm literally about to send out a relaunch email to my mailing list. COVID-19 hits a week later, everything's shut down. I don't ever get to hit send. Um, and then like so many float centers, you're in a different phase at that point of being shut down. Uh, your occupancy is ruined. Uh, we couldn't even sell our CBD products. Um, so yeah, basically we, we got really close to relaunching and then it just, the virus hit and so it is. <laughs> yeah. Did you get PPP? Yeah, so uh, we applied for the EIDL um, loan, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, never heard back. So immediately we thought, okay, that might prop us up for um, some rent and paying back uh, some of our creditors. Um, so that didn't land. And then we got PPP. Uh, the only employee at the time was uh, my ex-wife. So that propped it up for a good 60 days or so. Mm. Um, but then we were in that strange position of, uh, you know, do we want to be taking on more debt? I mean, we're in this position of like, do we want to take out a loan? No, I want to have less loans. Like, right. you know, and, and with less revenue, I need less loans. So we're having this conversation back and forth about what's the best position uh, or best decision to make. And it just got to a point where, no, we don't want to take on any more debt. Um, and so we just kind of had to uh, decide that it was time to walk away from it. When you were coming up with that decision, like what was your, uh, I, I love providing floats for people, right? Like you, you see that post float glow. Um, how much of that was part of the decision of like, I love bringing this to people, weighing that against uh, like your personal life of taking on loans and, and, you know, there's the internal part and the external part of what you're providing for the community. Like, how did that balance equate for you? Uh, so for me personally, it, it was just really difficult and it continues to be difficult. Mm. Um, we have had so many members that have really benefited from the float over the last four or five years. I mean, we've had people uh, who floated their entire pregnancy with us. Uh, we had a lady with fibromyalgia who got off of her medications with us, a guy who treats his IBS with us. So you're thinking about all these people that you've really helped and touched and who need you. Um, and I'm just not a selfish person. So I'm just like, I'm just going to keep it open. I'm going to keep trying. And I know that the bills are stacking. So, I mean, we've been floating people. We ha We floated people privately during this. And we took all the protocols and you know, we, we got them in the tank because we know they need it. And um, so, yeah, I was just fractured on what's good for them and what's good for me. So finally, it just got to a point where I was like, I have to be selfish. I, I'm going to have to make that decision. And uh, for me, because it's just it was just too much weight. And honestly, the debt 
seeing our inability to pay our creditors, uh, you know, pay our our wonderful landlord who who really took a shot on a really weird business <laughs> in a very small town. Uh, like it hurts my heart that you know I couldn't pay him rent, but eventually I'm like I just can't I can't just take on more debt and and do this. So I had to say, all right, for once I'm going to be selfish for myself and and step away. And this, at that point, it was your business solely, is that correct? Or did you still have a business partner at that point? Yeah, so at, at this point, uh, late 2019, um, my ex dropped off of the, the LLC, okay. and so it's solely mine. Um, so I decided that, uh, and at that point also, things were getting a little bit strange with the direction of the float, and I didn't want to bring her down with it. So we cut it, so it's solely on me. Um, and so, yeah, you just start making these decisions. Like, you know, you, you look at the totality of where you're headed and you just try to make the best decision. I honestly can't imagine making that decision on my own. You know, like my wife is my business partner and I can't imagine not having that back and forth because there, there's so much to do with our discussions. You know, we finish our day, the kids are in bed and then, you know, we were like, okay, let's watch a Marvel movie. We sit down with a glass of wine and then we end up talking for an hour and a half. And a lot of that is talking about the pros and cons of the business. What's going on? I mean, of course, plenty, plenty of talking about the kids. But, but yeah. also the, the business is, is um, such a thing that I can't imagine being in my own head, even if I had somebody to talk to without knowing the ins and outs, and then having all of that weight be on me to call the shot and say, I'm closing down the float shop. Whew, uh, that feels like a lot looking from the outside. Am I misinterpreting that or is that a lot? Yeah, so the good thing is um, I had I had some good fortune. So my ex and I were on good terms. Um, she was still working at the float and we were mm -hmm. still trying to save it. So um, mm -hmm. all of my decision making still went through her, even though that mm -hmm. she wasn't a part of the float, you know. Got it. Um, so we bounced things off. We looked at the numbers, and um, uh, because she was working full time at the float, it affects her her money, her take home money. Right. Totally. So I didn't want to just end it, oh. and then she has no job. <laughs> right. um, so we've gotten to a point now, you know, here heading into August, that um, she's in a better financial position. That you know, closing uh, the float won't harm her. Um, so you know, we had to have these discussions and and get there but yeah it's not a fun discussion when you're looking at your dollars and figuring do we want to get another ppp loan like should we get a private loan should we right. ask for you know some investment coming in like and, and how much you really want to take on so and, and if i can tangent there um and I, i'd like to ask all of our guests with this but i mean we all have like side hustles and things that we're doing and and one of the earliest decisions we made uh, was Sandra started teaching um, and she's, she's done a little bit of that in the past but she took on a full-time gig which means the shop is primarily on me now um, but it means that our family will be safe and there's a lot less pressure on our float center to do that. And have you guys made any COVID decisions, fi financial COVID decisions? And of course also there's all the money that's coming in through Art of the Float that really just, we just right, rake it in right. every month. Banking. Yeah. <laughs> Banking. <laughs> um, you know, I'll say, I, I don't know, um, I mentioned earlier, I'm really stubborn when I get an idea in my head. Like, I can't let it go. For me, it's not so much that I'm, like, 
trying to find more security, but I have been looking at additional revenue streams. What other projects can I do that are going to help people during this time? And so I'm in the throes of all of that right now. Um, and honestly, it is to some degree taking on more risk. But um, I, I feel like that's that's just kind of how I'm coping um, to some degree. Interesting. Do you have any concern about taking on these other gigs, taking away from building your float center? You know what I mean? At the moment, no. Um, only, And I can only say that because Graham is there. Um, my husband is there. You know, he works four shifts a week, four days a week, and, and I'm there three and typically shorter. And sometimes I don't necessarily have to right. go in for those shifts. So um, I don't have as much of a demand to be there. And mm-hmm. I'm more available to do all of the other projects that I'm doing. Right. Um, so. Got it. Yeah. Gloria? I, I think for me, I'm, you know, feeling that the weight of the decision on one location um, and, you know, the busyness of the others kind of offset that fear because I'm still, I'm not 100% focused on that loss because I'm juggling. It's, it's kind of like you've got four balls juggling. One has fallen on the ground. You're trying to keep the other three going, Can right? Can you explain the one that fell on the ground? I think for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah, so um, my... South Loop location, which was my third location out of the four, uh, really, really huge barriers to get it open in the first place. So um, it is my most expensive uh, investment out of the four. It's kind of, it was supposed to be kind of the flagship location and it's smack in the middle of a very tumultuous area in downtown Chicago. So, uh, you know, aside from all of the factors kind of going against it, going into COVID with things like water issues in the building before, you know, we even opened the doors. Things like the ceiling caving in when I was out of the country the second, third third month it was open. Um, landlord issues, uh, you know, it, everything's just been exasperated by COVID and, and that law. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of the four, you know, you always have the risk that one's not going to be doing as well as the other, but this one has been a real, real bear. <laughs> That's putting it very nicely. So um, I still have not made the decision to close for sure because um, I'm in the middle of, you know, still trying to get it back up and running since the uh, riots. Uh, we had damage. We had loss uh, there. So I'm trying to kind of uh, deal with that. But, you know, again, the other three kind of keep me less focused on the doom of that location but it's there and it's you know just kind of imminent um so you know if i if you don't mind i would like to go back to carlos and ask you you know two questions number one do you think that working with your spouse in the float center weighed at all into your relationship kind of being taxed because I, you know, I see we see two success stories here out of the quad that we have. We've got Dylan and Kim who both have their spouses in the business and everything's going great. But I've heard a number of different. You're assuming people. they're going great. <laughs> well, I can only. Move go on, on. <laughs> <laughs> Next topic. Next topic. But, sorry, I, but I, I mean, I've been Different approached episode. by people who um, have been husband and wife who've, you know, not 
not been doing well. And so I just, I was just curious. And of course, it's totally up to you whether you want to answer that or not. I was just curious to see if that, you know, weighed into the, the weight of the relationship. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair question. I'm happy to answer it. So um, my opinion on this is that with a relationship uh, in the float center um, at that, uh, I guess, ownership level, I think both people really need to love floating. So in my relationship, um, I love floating. Um, my ex, not as much. And then over the years, kind of waxed and waned about how much she loved it. So the way that affects the business is really uh, who's driving the business. So for me, I was just driving all the time, uh, marketing, education, all the things, organizing, everything. I'm the driver. Um, well, the passenger just was just along for the ride. And so if you're not working together, it can be really taxing. And um, I think that that did contribute to uh, the direction my float center went. So I really do think that if both people are going in the same direction, they're very passionate about floating, then you have a really good shot that the center will be successful, but the relationship will be uh, withstanding as well. So, um, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think in my position, uh, maybe I was just naive about um, how my love of floating uh, could affect her uh, in a negative way. Um, and so I think that can contribute or did contribute to, to where we went with it. And then my second question was going to be, um, I know you said prior to COVID, you had reached out to people and you potentially had investors. Did you say you actually had people lined up and you were going to relaunch? Did that actually get to the point of, you know, something in writing or was it just kind of just happening and then COVID pulled the rug out from under you? Um, well, we had, we had talked to a broker about just selling okay, just straight up. And so we were just going to sell, um, getting evaluation on a float center is difficult. <laughs> so that was another issue. So we were like, okay, let's just drop some more personal cash into the business. Um, and so we were doing that. Then we sent out an email to our uh, mailing list and just said, hey, you know, we're looking for some investment. We're willing to share equity, you know, kind of Shark Tank type stuff. <laughs> and uh, we got a couple responses from s some people. And so we started doing the math on that, see if that would prop us up a little bit. Um, and then we had a lady actually, and, and this is as close as we got to like pen to paper, um, who her... Uh, mother had passed away and she was going to get an inheritance and she's one of our avid floaters so she had come to us and said you know we're looking at x amount of money it's your lucky day i love floating we're investing in floatless almost so we're like yes Amazing. she's gonna buy it the float will live on and we got really close we started talking to her lawyer uh when they got right down into the actual will uh <laughs> she didn't get left anything uh, her sister did, oh, and no. they weren't going to share, oh, and no. so we got so close, you know, like we're having these deep discussions about, like, transferring of ownership, and then wow. pulled out right from under us. 
Um, oh, no. And so then, that of really course, wasn't COVID. COVID. Hits. Yeah. So, you know, you start seeing these signs, right? Like, we're so close mm. to this investment, and now COVID 19. And at that point, like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think and I acknowledge these signs that are coming out, and I'm thinking, maybe I can't salvage this. Maybe I maybe this is what I have to do is move towards closure that the signs are there. It's, it's just not working out. So you emotionally, once you made the choice, have you been, has it just made sense and, and you have peace with it or have you had reticence like, Oh, maybe that isn't the right choice or at least like emotional ups and downs about it. Uh, yeah, I'm all over the place for it. So <laughs> I haven't been spending too much time at the float center. Uh, my ex has been keeping the tanks moving and still floating um, all the people that we can until we close. But um, yeah, I'm literally just like, I could probably save it. And, you know, I could drop some money or, you know, I've talked to my dad a few times and he doesn't understand it. But he's like, Dad, I don't really want to put my money into it. So. Uh. Yeah, I'm all over the place, and I'm still shaking bushes, uh, even though hmm. I'm I'm looking at essentially bankruptcy for this, um, and I'm still hoping, you know, you get like a, uh, you know, an angel that comes in and mm-hmm. says, I want to buy your place, and here's your check. So um, yeah, so so I'm back and forth. I'm like, I do feel some relief, uh, you know, I won't have this uh, burden on me, if you will, uh, but uh, the disappointment is still very much there. So speaking of the bankruptcy, like what what are you looking at if if nobody buys and you have to shut the center down? What does that look like for you? Uh, yeah, so it's pretty scary. Uh, I've never been previous to floating. Like I think I had like maybe two credit cards with like a three hundred dollar limit. So I didn't know anything about like having significant amount of debt, some student loans, you know that type of thing. Uh, this is, you know, you you spend so much money in your build out, your investment in your tanks. I mean, you do take on a lot of debt. Um, I'm in a position where um, I do have a full time job, thankfully, uh, doing another gig. So I'm not 100% dependent on uh, the float center. So I'm looking at a consumer bankruptcy, uh, Chapter 7. Uh, the majority of my debt is actually in the float center. So my lawyer told me, you know, that's the direction that we'll go. Uh, it'll basically dissolve the float center. Um, and then those debts will be discharged. Um, I'll have some, uh, a little bit of ruined credit for, you know, X amount of months or year. Uh, and then I'm good to go and I can start rebuilding. So going in, you know, you hear that naughty word bankruptcy and uh Oh, right. Uh, well, originally I was really, really scared of it. And now I'm looking at it, uh, in terms of relief that I can get out of this and that uh, it's not the end of the world. So, you know, my whole identity in, in my town is literally of 20,000 people. I'm the float guy, right. I, you know, like that weird float guy on the Segway. I have a Segway I cruise around on <laughs> and they're like, I don't know about that guy. So, <laughs> so my identity for a while has been floating, you know, and I had to announce to everybody that, you know, I'm closing. So. You know, my identity's been dented, you know, and, mm. and that hurts. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but I'm not so I'm not so afraid of it. Now, if you would have asked me six weeks ago, I would have been terrified. Uh, mm. The collapse in my mind was too big for me to really uh, think about. But I spent some time talking to my lawyer, uh, being on some Reddit posts and just reading people's experiences. 
and it just made me feel a lot better. So now I'm at a point of, where of having been on I the other feel okay. on being on the other side of closing or or bankruptcy specifically. Uh oh, well, having the discussion to get there. So okay. uh, closing, I had to make that decision, and now I'm making the decision of filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. So it's just been a slow um, like progression to where I'm at right now. Right. Yeah. And now I'm more comfortable, definitely. Drew, did you have a question? I do, just to kind of maybe switch it up a little bit. I was wondering, you know, during your experience, you've been in the float industry for a while. Um, what would you, looking back, how would you describe your your experience with the industry as a whole, um, where, you, where it was when you started and kind of where you see it now? Do you have any advice for someone new coming in? Um, from my standpoint, I think we have a fairly friendly industry. I'm just curious if now that you're kind of stepping away from it, would you say the same? Uh, yeah, I think the industry is great. Uh, from when I, I will say, well, I entered into it in 2015, it's definitely grown immensely. Uh, so much that like my first float conference in Portland is no longer in Portland. Uh, outgrew the theater there. I mean, it's, it's just booming. Um, everybody I've met has been really gracious from, uh, you know, Dylan over, uh, on this podcast and, and on to float on with, you know, Graham and Ashcon, you know, the original guys that I, I talked to and chummed with and did their apprenticeship and just kind of bought into this really floaty industry. Uh, that's kept going. Uh, you know, everybody's been really helpful. Uh, you know, I started out as a novice, like everybody does and learning how to, uh, maintain my float tanks learning how you know when you hit biofilm how to get rid of it to uh you know loss of of uh, hydrogen uh you know measurements to using everything i mean like i've just learned so much and now i am like like a veteran <laughs> i'm like on my way out and only four years uh you know in the industry and i feel like a veteran so um, you are yeah yeah, and you know, I've I've learned some things, and I ignored some things. So, uh, one of the big things I would say that maybe was a misstep was, uh, you know, Ashcon and Graham were very clear about the challenges of having a, a two tank center, hmm. um, and the challenges of having the center in a smaller uh, population. And I just hmm. thought, you know, I'm still going to do this. I'm going to make it work. And my approach was, you know, I was going to have cheaper floats. Uh, mine was volume oriented so it was always about getting more and more people than retaining them uh, and it has worked you know rather successfully for what it is uh, but my regret is I probably should have gone with four tanks uh, in the neighboring city that was about uh, 150,000 population plus and then just, just because of that financial ceiling yeah the the, yeah. the margins uh, for profitability for the two tank center was always razor thin and we were always profitable for the record uh, just very thin nice. <laughs> that's a cool that's a great that's, that's amazing yeah yeah it is amazing yeah um, and we learned and and that was for two solid years with just floating so we sold some little knickknacks in the shop um, mm -hmm. it was on year three is when we introduced CBD so uh, CBD has been a massive driver for us um, hmm. We, we basically called it like the take-home float. So when you're done with your float, you get like your little bit of CBD, 
and then we could retain them because they'd have to come back for CBD or have to float again. So that really helped. Um, but yeah, we, we did have to introduce uh, something else to sell and to bring people in. Mm. So uh, that worked really good for a Smart. while. Uh, but yeah, the shortcoming is always that next step. So four tanks, bigger market. Uh, I think we could have definitely been, uh, well, we would have been open for sure at this point. Um, I don't know how COVID-19 is going to shake out, but we would have had a better chance, definitely. Um, if I had any words of wisdom for anybody, I would be cautious about two tank centers um, in smaller markets. Uh, you just, yeah, you know what you're getting into, but the reality is that you're just never going to make that, that livable amount of money uh, to be comfortable. So you do have to look at a slightly bigger, slightly bigger market and maybe... Uh, you know, lower your expectations really if you're going for a two tank. So, yeah, that that makes sense to me, and that that's something I've told people for years now. And I, it feels like two float tanks is where you can get by with you being the person at the float center all the time, basically. And three, I think you get a little bit of leeway, but uh, we had three, and it wasn't enough. If four is where we were able to go, okay, we can step back, have employees run the shop, and be able to step away. Um, that that sounds exactly. Yeah, and, and to interject, um, like that jump that you mentioned from like three to four, where you can have employees, we never got to employees. It was right. too thin. Mm. So, you know, for four years, uh, my ex and I, we, we worked there. We were the face. Uh, that includes like morning floats and evening floats and weekend floats and then juggling my daughter. So, I mean, you know, she's she's 10 oh, now and we launched when she was five. <laughs> Oh, wow. So then you're juggling a child, too. And then friends and family, you know. So if you're working all the time, uh, it's difficult to be everywhere. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's kind of my my big piece here is that, you know, really think (laughs) about um, your margins. And then uh, probably, unfortunately for some, you know, you have to look at a bigger city with more tanks. And and I will just also uh, build off what you just mentioned and just tack it on there, which is starting a business with a float center. I, I don't really recommend that. Um, to, I mean, it depends on everybody's situation is different, but um, I think a lot of people go in with, yeah, I know it's hard. I know there's a lot to it, but I've done hard things. I know, I, I kind of know, even though you're telling me I don't know, I kind of get it. And then that's what I went in with. And man, did that hit me like a load of bricks, you know, that it was a lot more. So I can't even imagine having kids during opening. I, I can't imagine you being the only person on staff because that, that was killing me at the time. Um, you know, Sandra and I, I mean, I did almost all of the shifts because she was working as a nurse when we first opened. Um, and then she would sometimes work, you know, her 40 to 60 hour nursing week and then work at the at the float center. And that was killing us. We didn't even have kids. Like, oh, my God, yeah. Carlos. <laughs> and I've, I've kept a full time job while working at the float. So that doesn't make sense. I mean, that I was working like eight to five and then going to the float in the evening, closing and then waking up in the morning starting over and doing it again and again and again for three and a half years or so. Wow, so. you are going to have a life without working too full-time. I mean, like I say full-time, running a flow center is more than that. So that's actually something that I kind of wanted to get at, and I wasn't sure how to get at it, which is life post-float center, which none of us really know what that's like because we're all still mid-float center, but... I think there is life after running a float center. Like, I think it's totally okay to, to shut down and see what else is out there. And this will just be a, a part of your life that makes up who you are. 
um, are you looking forward to being able to see your friends again yeah. and, and family? Like, my God. Yeah, so I think um, with COVID-19 hitting uh, and then us reducing our floats and just kind of tapering down, I've seen a glimpse of the other side, if you will. So mm, yes, yes, I've been able to, you know, see friends, family uh, to some extent, obviously. Yeah. Um, I've been able to do some camping, which was unheard of uh, right. before. In the fall, I was able to snowboard, you know, like there's all these hobbies and things that I really enjoyed that just kind of got put on the back burner. Uh, and now I'm looking towards that as, oh, look, I can <laughs> go out and get a beer or, uh, you know, I don't have to go and dose the tanks. You know, I don't have to float right. anybody. <laughs> I can actually go out and do something. So yeah. um, life for me, I, I mean, I'm, I'm back in school. I'd actually return to school for uh uh, masters of social work that I wanted to pair with floating um, and do some sort of work uh, with like therapy and floating or counseling. Uh, so I'm still going to pursue that and maybe I can revisit floating later, you know, something cool. in that direction. But, you know, I'm exploring things I just haven't had time and so far so good. I've, I'm enjoying it. Wow. Now, if we could get rid of the virus, then I could actually see people <laughs> and like do more face to face things. But for yeah. now, yeah, I can see where I'm I'm headed. Wow. Um, and I think that has impacted a lot of people. Um, there's like the COVID side of how it's been maybe kind of devastating to our float centers, but then there's the part where like, oh my God, I can just sit still for a little bit and check in with people. Uh, that's been a big wake up call for people. Like I don't have to be spinning all the time, like to slow down and experience the world. Is, is new to some of us who have been running float centers for a while. And maybe that could lean us towards wanting to sell or close our float centers. Drew, is there anything else that you wanted to ask Carlos about? No, that was really good information. I yeah. appreciate you coming on and sharing. It's, mm -hmm. um, I, I sense a lot of entrepreneurial spirit in you and talking <laughs> pre-show, it sounded like, um, I don't know, I just, when it comes to challenges, the way you were speaking in the affirmative of it just it sounded like you were in a good place and i think that's awesome and i think dylan you're right that you know uh there were going to be more float centers shutting down we're seeing that happen and hopefully people understand that there is life after the float centers and you learn so much running a float center it is unlike a lot of businesses right what from the people to the cleaning to all the different nuanced uh, subjects you have to learn about so I think that experience sets you up for success in what you will do next and uh, again you've spoken about some of the things you've gone through and how you look back and already maybe some things you would do different next time but that's important to learn and hopefully take what you've learned and grow with that you know so props to you Carlos and um, I think whatever you do you're going to be successful at that's what i that's what i get from you so keep up the good fight <laughs> i'm gonna that's piggyback true. on that if, if you don't mind dylan i you know i didn't uh have a chance to meet you um you know while you were going through this before but your spirit is really really positive um, it seems just like you've you've made the best of your situation and you have such optimism about the future. I mentioned this before we went on air. 
And it's, it's really encouraging to see that. And I think you're going to inspire a lot of people to make decisions that might be, you know, on the fence or in fear of, you know, going through something that might be in a similar situation or not. You know, maybe you'll inspire somebody to, you know, tweak things and, and stay in business. So we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your, you know, personal story, um, you know, your personal life and your personal investment in the business. And we just really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate yeah, it. Thank Thanks you for so being much, such an guys. Open book. And, and best wishes to all of you and all the other float centers out there because yes. I'm still going to float. So Indiana. you nice. all got to yeah. stay open because nice. I still kind of float yeah. somewhere. That's yeah. right. That's right. right. There you go. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. All right, you guys. Thank you. Thanks to my co-host tonight. Thanks to Kim for taking show notes. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to everybody who's supporting us on Patreon. Love it. And um, let's see here. What else? Thanks to Floataway for supporting us. Floataway.com is where you want to go to check out their float tanks. If you're interested in switching up what you've got, uh, they have a lot of different options for you. Floataway.com is where you want to go. And uh, yeah, as always, remember that this is just another piece of your life. This is all building up who you are. So make sure you make the choices that you want to, to build what you, uh, who you want to be. Until next week. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>